Is that you, God? I mean, the Father so passionately loves you and I that he gave his only begotten Son that he should die for us upon a cross. Have you been in the presence of just passionate believers who shared stirring encounters with God and hearing his voice while your own soul just overflowed with confusion, wondering, how do I get in on that? How did these saints know that God was speaking to them? Let me tell you, to know God, you must first encounter God and learn Scripture. The facts of the faith. In church, we are so guilty of preaching the facts without having to live the facts. And secondly, to know God, you have to experience Jesus as you live out Scripture, as you practice His promises. Remember, to know God is to love God. To love God is to obey God. To obey God is to be blessed by God. So in order for you to get a blessing from God, you have got to begin by knowing God. And you cannot know Him apart from the Scripture, from His Word that testifies of Him. Remember, you are only as spiritual as you are scriptural. They go hand in hand. Hand in hand. Thank you, brother. I love that. I've, I've missed you. I've had to worship down on here in this front row without you. And it's been lonely, but I've had a wonderful time and I've missed you. To discern the voice of God, you have got to pray daily. This should be your prayer. God, that I might be a living sacrifice. As I breathe, Adam, Dead unto myself, by self-discipline and self-denial, upon the altar of God's purpose and his plan, alive to God, spirit-filled in Christ, controlled, upon the watchtower where you wait, where you be still and you be silent, where you watch and seek out God, seek God and search out his solution to see what God says in the circumstances of your life in the scriptures and in the, in the ministry of people who love you and care about you and as you sense the spirit in your thoughts and in your feelings to understand in specific revelation who, what when and where to promote the kingdom of God, heaven on earth, through the church, by converts, in Christ-likeness, living. What would Jesus do? Our prayer for this study has been, Lord, heighten my spiritual senses. To see that which is not visible. To hear that which is not audible. To sense that which is not tangible. And to be able to believe that which is unbelievable, the supernatural. Teach me to sort through and turn off the noises of this world. 
that I might be able to hear and to discern your powerful, wonderful, pure, and your precious voice. We studied first on anticipating the voice. We said that you cannot experience what you do not expect. Do you expect God to speak to you? Then we looked at the Holy Spirit. And then we looked at the voice of the Holy Spirit. And now we're talking about God's voice reveals his character. We said that his character, that his voice was revealing. That he doesn't hold back. There are no spiritual secrets, secrets with which he does not reveal to you in who he is and what he will do. We agree that God has a purpose and that God has a plan and that we might be transformed and that we might be changed to become like Jesus and to live in victory over sin, self, Satan, and this world to the glory of God himself. And then we said God was loving. In him there is no condemnation. There is no guilt. But there is a sweet and a soothing conviction that wants to convict us so that we might change and encourage us to restore relationship so that we desire to please and to obey him, to be blessed and to receive the blessings of family. And church, I'm here to tell you tonight that God's voice revealing also is that he is peaceful. The scripture says, these things I have spoken unto you and that in me you may have peace. I know God is speaking. I know God is talking to me. Revealing in specific revelation who, what, when, where in his plan, when an undeniable peace follows when I have obeyed. Let me tell you something. The key to a meaningful Christian life is obedience. Because obedience makes God real to you. I counseled in Bellevue Baptist Church for the 10 years that I was there. And I was one of the first deacons, Brother Keith, that would come down that, down, down that aisle. They would give an invitation. And, and, and Brother Danny, they would, just, they would just run down the aisle. People wanting to know Jesus. I wanted to be the first one down there, brother, because I couldn't wait to help them to find Jesus. It's what I wanted to do. And they would come down there and say, Dr. Tommy, Jesus just does not, it's just not real to me. I said, really? I said, do you know why he's not real to you? Let me tell you why Jesus is not real to you. First and foremost, you don't have any assurance of salvation. Listen, God doesn't want you guessing. You can know if you're a child of God. You have his promise. You have the word of God that he is who he says he is personally and he can do what he promised. But let me tell you what else you have too. You have a personal desire to please and to obey him. And if you don't, you have a legitimate question to the reality of your salvation. To please him and to obey him. Secondly, let me tell you why Jesus is not real to you. It's because you're not spirit-filled and Christ-controlled. You're acting in your own strength. You're discouraged. You're down and out. You're defined by your flesh. And for those of us who are so little, there ain't much to it. 
and you're not obedient. You multiple guess God and just choose what you want. I'd much rather have a multiple guess test. I could always find an answer. I could start by getting rid of the ones that I knew were wrong. We don't multiple guess God and do what we want. God is not real to you because you're out of fellowship with him. You have unconfessed sin within your life. And fifthly, you're trying and you're not trusting. It's pure, it's plain, and it's simple. Let me tell you even more. You see, Christ desired for his peace to govern internally and externally, to direct us as we make decisions so that we are not have to be influenced by the world around us and that which is happening, but we can honor the Lord and he guides our relationships with others. Let me tell you about your life decisions. Your life decisions have to honor God. Do you have any trouble telling your children that they need to live to honor God? And they have to promote the kingdom, both in quantity and quality, in converts and in Christ's likeness. It's not over once you give your life to Jesus. That's where it begins. The rest of it is, 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 is concerned with becoming more like Jesus and less of yourself. Your life decisions should not be in personal conflict to cause a brother to stumble or to struggle. And they should bring peace internally between you and God and externally between you and your brethren. And it should guide your relationships. God's personal word to you will be accompanied by a sense of assurance and peace. Because why? He is Jehovah Shalom. He is the God of peace. Ask yourself. Do I feel confident and peaceful? moving forward? Or am I restless and unsure? This is what I told you I wanted you to get tonight. When I had that interview with those boys, I didn't have the peace of God. I was so unsure about what I was doing. Friends, that's not how God leads. Even when you're doing something that seems impossible, I'm telling you God's peace will accompany your actions if it is his will, his purpose, and his plan. God graciously gives us his peace. What is this peace? This peace, let me tell you, this peace means no struggle, no strife. No turmoil, a calmness, a restfulness, a sense of traveling light, knowing that all is well. Is that your day today? That's the peace that God wants to accompany his decisions. And he gives his peace. You know why? So that he can demonstrate his supernatural activity in your life. You may feel ill-equipped, but when you sense his peace, when you obey, you need to step out. And you will experience his supernatural power. Because you see, with his peace comes power. 
He's not going to ask you to do anything that he can't do. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule your hearts. Why your hearts? Remember, it's beyond your explanation. It's beyond your understanding of your mind. It's with your heart. And when we obey God, we experience an internal tranquility. And when we step outside of the will of God, we feel uneasy. He's got it designed this way. His God-given peace cannot be lost. But get this. If something we're doing is not pleasing to God, peace will not rule. It's what it will not do. God's peace, that inner tranquility, that all is well regardless, in spite of perplexities and problems, guarantees that we are living in His presence. Brother Caleb, that was beautiful worship tonight. Living in His presence, standing on holy ground, spirit-filled, Christ-controlled, this peace, let not your heart be troubled. Fear not requires you to be in His will, living in obedience, in fellowship. Worship and fellowship, wait upon God, don't go ahead. And friendship, depth of relationship and intimacy is what I'm talking about. You see, Colossians 3.15 says that the peace of God should rule our hearts and not our circumstances. We can't depend on what our circumstances say to determine what God is doing. We must always look inward first and move according to the Holy Spirit's witness in God's word. Not circumstantially directed, but spirit-filled, Christ-controlled. How do you know when the Holy Spirit is leading you? Let the peace of God rule your hearts. Do you have a feeling about something that God wants you to do? How do you know? You see, it's not a fleece. Now, Sister Mavis, I'm not saying I don't agree with fleeces. But I like the peace a whole lot more than I do the fleece. A whole lot more. Because, you see, the Holy Spirit also moves in friendship, fellowship, and fellowship with Jesus as Lord. Jesus is more than Savior. Jesus is Lord of our lives. There's a tranquility or a calmness and not a turmoil and not trouble. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. But with confidence, know that the peace of God rules. Be spirit-filled in Christ's control doing. What would Jesus do? And then you have to live in his presence, in his power, in his provision, and in his protection. And that moves us forward without hesitation. It doesn't matter about your fleece. All that matters is the peace. The rule of God, a calmness, a tranquility that all is well in spite of what's going on. It's not your ability because with this peace comes the supernatural power of God that exceeds your ability, your logic, your reasoning, and even what you can do. But you see, the voice of God revealing his character is revealing who he is and what he does. It is loving in that there's no condemnation, but there's conviction. It is peace because there's power as the, as the peace of God rules our heart, but it's also truthful. Now get this. The word of God is profitable for doctrine. Do you know what that means? 
You can count on it, sister. It's truth. It's what it is. It's profitable for doctrine, correction, instruction, and righteousness, and for reproof. Oh, we don't like to use that word. I know the Lord is speaking to me when what I think he's saying is driven home by Scripture. When there's a concert of what's happening in my life with what I'm reading in his word. It's the external proof of the internal revealing of God through his word. That's exciting. Have you ever made a decision to say something? No, that usually slips. To do something, to be with someone, and you rationalized your behavior? Church, I am the best rationalizationer that there is. Well, that'd be a lot of letters. That'd be a lot of count. Can you rationalize what you do? Even to take scripture out of context, to justify your decision, you wonder how could we, how could any believer be that far off in claiming God's voice? You excuse your behavior and you rationalize your actions. We've all been in this situation at some time or another. Different circumstances, the same dilemma. How can we hear God clearly? And how can we discern his voice from the enemies or even from the voices of our own ego, ourself? But what's the Holy Spirit's primary goal? To bring glory to God. You see, the more acquainted you become with God, and how do you become more acquainted with God? You learn scripture, you live scripture, you encounter God of the scripture, you experience Jesus in the, in the affairs of life. The more clearly you will identify his word. His tone is love, while the accuser's is guilt. God's voice is peace, that inner tranquility, while the enemy's is chaos and fear. Another distinguishing characteristic of God's voice is truthfulness. You see, he cannot and will never lie. His spoken word will never contradict his character or his, that is revealed in his word. He will never cause you to sin. He will never allow you to cover up your sin. And he will also never take you outside of his will. Listen, God's standard of truth may differ from your church. God's standard of truth may differ from your family. Don't raise your hand if you've been there. Or even from your culture. Just because we feel comfortable doing something doesn't make it right. We must filter it through the truth of God. Now, how do you do that? How do you do, sister? How do you filter what you have heard, what you're going to do through the truth of God? Well, first, does it agree with Scripture? Remember I told you when I was in Bellevue Baptist Church, I carried that little black notebook under my arm. It made me look like a seminary student. And those seminary students would come to me because they thought I was one of them. And the biggest problem was I wished I had been. And they said... Brother Tom, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm, I'm seeking out God's will. 
He said, brethren, that's not scriptural. I said, excuse me? Where do you go to school? He said, you don't seek out God's will. You live God's will. You seek out God. It's what you do. I've never forgot that. How else do you filter through the truth of God? You want to know, will it honor God? Who he is and what he does? Will it cause my brother to stumble? Will it cause him to struggle? Who receives the credit, me or God? I love a pat on the back. It ain't about you. Listen, if you're going to filter it through God, you need to know who's going to receive the credit. You need to know, does it bring peace, an internal peace between you and God and an external peace between you and your brethren? And does it promote the kingdom by converts and in Christ's likeness? That's what you need to know. God's assurance that he is who he says he is. And he can do what he promises because his promises are made yes and amen through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I am the truth. So God can never lie. And it will accompany his truth. You know it's right or it's truthful. Let me ask you this. What is truth? We had a hotline at church. And we put the number up while the service was being broadcasted. And we as the deacons would man those services and those phones. I loved it. I just love apologetics. And they would call and they'd say, Sir, what is truth? Is that not what everybody's looking for? According to the multiple test? Let me tell you what truth is. Truth stands the test of time and the trials of life. It's what truth is. I have got textbooks from school just stacked in bookshelves all over my office. And you know that that saddest thing about it? And not a bit of it true today. They changed all those procedures. And what procedures they didn't change? They changed the questions. So that's why they have to keep updating and updating the textbooks. Which printing are you reading? Well, I'm telling you, they ain't never updated the Word of God. There has never been another revision of the Word of God. It is what it is. It stands the test of time, the trials of life. And if you don't know that, I'm sorry. You need to stand on the promises. You know what the promises of God are? Those are spiritual guarantees. That's what those are. Let me tell you what truth is. It never changes, but it always changes you. That's what it does. Have you ever been able to help somebody apart from God? Dr. Tommy, would you counsel me? Sure, what is, what's your problem? Well, I said, no, before you go any further, let's just, let's just cut the chase. I can only tell you what Jesus will do for you. And if that's not what you want, don't waste my time or yours. Because that other stuff don't work. Because I tried it. It won't work. It's not truth. Let me tell you what else truth will do. You can live by it. You can die by it. Brother Parker came home to go home. You can live by it, Pat. But you can die by it as well. What else do you know that you can live by and die by? It will never let you down. or It will never disappoint you. It will set you free. It does not depend on you. And it will satisfy you. I can promise you that as well. In a world that is singed with sin and with pride, 
It is difficult to be certain when God is speaking. I agree. It is difficult. But let me tell you this. Since the word of God provides the framework into which all of his messages will fall. And since the word of God itself is the chief means through which we will, he will speak to you. We can be certain to hear God most clearly when we study his word. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what it's all about. So you see, God's voice reveals his character. His voice is revealing. There's no spiritual secrets. He's going to tell you who he is and what he will do, that we can be transformed. And the result is that we will live in victory. And we'll bring honor and glory and praise unto him. But God's voice also speaks revealing that he's loving. There is no condemnation. There is no guilt unto them who are in Christ Jesus. But rather he will convict you of your sin. And if you'll confess it and change, you can be forgiven. He will encourage you and restore the fellowship of relationship. But God's voice also reveals that he is peaceful, this inner tranquility, that all is well regardless, and in spite of your problems and your perplexities, guaranteeing that we are living in his presence with power. And God's voice also reveals that he's truthful. He will never do anything that he has not promised that he will do. His word is profitable for doctrine, Correction, instruction, and righteousness, and it is also will bring correction to your life. But let me close with this. God's word is also powerful. Yes, it is. You see, he can do what he says. And he's able, able to perform what he has promised. Do you know how many promises there are in the word of God? Someone say, uh-huh. How many, sister? A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Have you Googled how many promises there are in the Word of God? Google. 3,519? 3,000. Over 3,500 in the word of God. How many of you stood on? Spiritual guarantees. I know that the Lord is speaking to me. When I consider the spirit, the quality, and the content of his voice, the spirit of the voice of God is gentleness. He is a gentleman. He knocks at the door of your heart only to see if you will open it and let him in. He will not crash the needy or crush the needy or snuff out hope. The quality of his voice is one that draws and encourages and doesn't push and hold you down. The content of his voice will be consistent with scripture. And that's why we must know scripture. He will never ever contradict himself. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Psalms 29 verses 3 and 4. And when God speaks he does so with power and with authority. Do you know what power and authority is? Power is the ability to perform. Of 
authority is who's in charge. Who governs? Who rules? Let me tell you right now, Jesus is not the best amongst many. He is the one and he is the only and none can ever compare unto him. When God speaks, things change. When we obey him as he speaks, he is Jehovah Elohim. It means that he is the God who is able to bring something out of nothing. Do we believe that there's enough power in God's voice to do these kinds of things? Instead of just looking at scriptural examples as exceptions to the rule, church, we need to look to them as the examples to reveal what God can and he will do today. We look at the miracles of the word of God and we say, wow, that would have been so neat to have lived then. And as he does it today. He does it even today. At this very moment. We need to anticipate. We need to expect. Listen to what God's powerful voice can do. In Genesis 1 chapter 7. He created the waters. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 9. He divided the water from the dry land. The voice of God produced a human being out of dust. He imposed order out of chaos in Genesis chapter 1. He spoke peace to a storm bringing complete peace. He raised Lazarus from the grave. He caused the enemy to flee. He called a woman out from her hiding place in Luke chapter 7, and he instantly forgave sin. Let me ask you, which of these descriptions of the word of God are needed in your life to do his will? As we recognize the power of God's voice, we'll be, mo we'll be more willing to seek it. We'll be more willing to wait for it. And we'll be more willing to submit to it. We won't spend so much time and energy seeking answers outside of God's will. What is the source of what you believe? The source of what I believe is the word of God. The strength of what I believe is the omnipotence, the omniscience, and the omnipresence of God himself. Now tell me what you believe. Have you experienced the power of God causing you to believe without hesitation, question, or doubt? How do you experience? How do you tap into God's power? How do you get out of your strength of your flesh? To tap into God, you've got to go through the process of transformation, that divine metamorphosis whereby you become less of self and more of Jesus. Living what would Jesus do? You can tap into his power by seeking God and searching for solution to live his will, his purpose, and his plan for your life. You have to let go of self and let God. You have to trust and you have to obey completely without limiting God in human definition and dynamics. What a shame that this is all that we know. And yet we want to define God by who I am. Not me, sister. 
I don't want to limit God to my definition or to my dynamics. You want to experience the power of God? You've got to believe and live in supernatural faith that goes beyond human logic, ability, and reason. Friends, really and truly, isn't that where faith begins? When you can't. We don't want the challenge. We want to do what we can do. We want to claim what we have. Rather than calling upon the power of God himself that goes beyond our ability. You want to tap into his power? Then you have to acknowledge God and don't rely on your own understanding according to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You need to recognize him. But let me tell you how you can also tap into his power. You have to live in intimacy. Depth of relationship, Ruth. So that you have priority. Jesus is first and foremost. That you press into him. Keith, I think about you every time I say that. So that you reduce the distance and the difference between you and Jesus. And you have to passion him. So that nothing else will do and never can you Have you been there? How many times, church, have you asked, had to ask God to turn it off because it was more than you could stand? Why don't we live like that? There's three more that come back at me for the one that goes out. Toby, why would we not want to live like that? If we have the opportunity and the ability, then why do we live the way we do? Why not tap into his power, his experience? We should live in a lifestyle of worship that brings him honor and praise and glory and thanksgiving. And we should be spirit-filled and Christ-controlled, living and doing what would Jesus do? In Luke chapter 8, Jesus spoke to the winds and the waves and he caused them to peace. Can't you imagine what those disciples were doing? Oh, huddle up on that bed. I mean, they tell us there's going to be a storm. We start looking for the bathroom. My alarm went off 1.30 Saturday morning, 2 o'clock, whatever time it was. Beep, beep, beep. I thought it was an Amber Alert. I didn't even know it was a tornado warning. And we run to the stairwell to get underneath it. We run to our shelters. Hmm. Oh, well, whatever. Listen. Verse 24 says, they stopped and it became calm. Lord, are, don't you see what's going on out here? Do you want us to die? where you can live, brother. That's where you can live. One way we can distinguish God's voice from others. Do you know what the other voices are? There's the voice of the enemy. There's the voice of Satan. There's the voice of yourself. All trying to tell you what to do. But one way that you can distinguish God's voice from others and the effect that it has 
on our circumstances. When Jesus calmed the waves, the response was immediate. I loved it. But let me tell you one other word. One word from Jesus and things changed on the spot, but let me tell you something else. It's not always that way, is it? Sometimes God will take you on a journey. Sometimes God will take you on a journey to the ultimate fulfillment of his word. Sometimes it's not instant, but he shows his authority. He doesn't need our help. Why the journey? Why does God want the journey? Remember what I was talking earlier? That we said that really and truly the journey was more important than the destination, and where you're going is the most important of all. And if you don't know where you're going anyway, any wind will work. But it's the journey of life whereby we learn God. God knows us. We learn God. We learn to depend upon God, to wait upon God. And through what he's done in our lives, we're willing to wait for him to show us more. The journey is to promote fellowship, friendship, and fellowship, and so that we can learn each other, get closer and go deeper in relationship and intimacy and press into God and reduce the difference in the distance between us. How does God show his authority? Well, he exceeds our ability and logic. You need God to be real to you, then you let him work. Get out of the Wednesday night I sit down here and pray God listen I want to get out of the way just take over let it be all about you I'll step aside and lift you up on high let it be all about you he also shows his authority in our circumstances because they can change he changes us and how we see things in our perspective and he gives us victory in spite of our perplexities and our problems. Have you ever waited on that biopsy? That'll test you. Doctors make me so mad. Does it really take that long to get a biopsy back or is it just some kind of punishment? And we imagine everything in the world that's going to be wrong. Let a bump come up. Oh my God, I have cancer. That's the way we think. Is it not? We've got to trust in his authority. Listen to this. Have you taken your concerns to the Lord and asked him to supernaturally infiltrate your circumstances? I was thinking tonight while we were singing and you were asking for the prayer request and what was going on in people's lives. And I thought, dear God, Brother LV, if you would just supernaturally infiltrate their circumstance. Whoa. That's powerful, sister. God, just supernaturally infiltrate their circumstance. Reveal yourself, if not immediately, in the journey of learning more about you. Often when things in our lives change, we attribute the transformation as something other than God's will, don't we not? We assume that all of our hard work is finally paid off. But when we see things changing, we need to consider that God is doing something and we need to be about it with Him.
When the disciples saw the effect that Jesus' word had on the water, do you remember what they said they were? They were fearful and amazed. When Jesus taught in the temple, the people were amazed at his word. Thank you, brother. They were absolutely astonished. Have you heard that sermon before? God, I didn't think about that. Oh, listen. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. They saw him in a new way after they experienced the power of his spoken word. Can you recall a time when God's word, whether it was scripture or whether it was spoken to you, and specific revelation changed your life? When it exceeded your ability, it exceeded your understanding, your logic, and it was all in spite of you, this, dear church, is God calling. It's who it is. Okay, the ship's coming in close to harbor. Next week, we're going to talk about God's voice reveals his plan. And then finally, we're going to culminate. And what is our proper response?